Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. what your thing is and here's what I learned about you in just about 30 seconds so country recording artists three different um recording companies record companies you're going through a shedding phase so I mean currently I'm looking at you now you just have really healthy looking brunette hair but used to be long blonde had the face fillers tits out and wanting to play the bubbly role continue Gosh, you are freaking awesome. I'm supposed to be interviewing you. Everyone, for all of you guys listening, this is the incredible Danielle Laporte. It's not Laporte. Is it Laporte? No, it's French. So it's Laporte. Laporte. Okay. Laporte, you are just like, you hang with Oprah. I mean, you are like elevating to the next level. You have so much that you're offering the world. You have a new book called How to Be Loving. So we're going to get into you, but I will quickly. Yeah, I want to finish your story. How I ended up here. Um, I, my biggest thing my whole life was I never felt like I was worthy. And I think a lot of us struggle with that. Mm-hmm. I never felt like I had enough to offer the world just as myself. And even though I always have been like very soulful, I just now I'm almost 40. I just turned 39. I'm just now coming into the fact that I know I am enough just for being here. Mm-hmm. And that has taken me this whole lifetime to this point to get mm-hmm. to, And that involved me chasing down big dreams, like trying to be a star, wanting people to notice Mm -hmm. me because I was like, if I could just be seen, then I'll be valuable. Then Mm -hmm. I can fill that hole in my heart. And so I got into all that world and I realized that that does not fill your heart. I am grateful for all the opportunities and the places I've seen, the people I have met and my bubble has been popped. Like I no longer have rose colored glasses with fame and entertainment, anything like that, like that, 
I thought that that would be the answer, but that's also sort of a childhood naivety, Mm -hmm. naive dream, thinking that Mm -hmm. there's some like Wizard of Oz, holier than thou place, and there's not. So I got to see firsthand and meet superstars and realize, sure, they're all great people, but they're all people and they're just as effed up as everybody else. You know, it's like, if not more. And um, so then I transitioned into TV and I got this great opportunity to do the amazing race where I raced around the world a couple times and got to, that was cool because I always thought again, if I could just get on TV, then I can be validated and be someone. Going to hit it. I'm going to hit it. Yeah. Then it'll happen for me and all, all my self worth issues will just disappear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but what happened? But it, it creates more shadow. What are you doing? Like the shadows yeah. driving you and just creates more shadow. Yes. Until you come out and go, oh, I don't even want to play the game. I am the game. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. What I learned from traveling on Amazing Race that was really cool was it throws you into the middle of cultures and like you're doing jobs side by side with people in the culture. So like in Sri Lanka, we were in a sweatshop working with children, mm-hmm. like making clothes, you know, and it's like, you know, you just like, and then like we were also like, in very all different types of third world countries and like on a train with a guy who literally had just rags for a diaper and he had no legs and he was using bricks to like go up and down the train station and <laughs> it makes me emotional but it's like mm-hmm. that was so eye-opening that there that's when it all started to like quick click in that there is no like it is your soul like it is there yeah. it, you are the game you know like you said there mm-hmm. is no mm-hmm. place to arrive other than to arrive in yourself and to love yourself. And that has been very hard, the hardest task for me to do because I've been chasing, chasing, chasing for so long. And finally, I hit this place. I had my daughter and she, I had a couple of miscarriages and that was like, I just wanted to be a mother so badly Mm -hmm. and it wasn't happening. And then I miscarried and like, it's just devastating. And then I just like lost control, you know, and Mm -hmm. not that I ever had it, (laughs) but, um, I think having her now and in this world and seeing her little light and realizing that I'm already going to cry with you. Do you do this to people? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but like seeing her and I, I think that's why I've been in the shedding phase because I don't want her to feel like she has to be anything other than her. Like that's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Like just like pursue you and I want to help her tap into her soul and just like figure out what she naturally is inclined towards and like where she naturally feels she's called towards and be that. And you don't have to do anything to look a certain way, to be a certain way, to people please. Not everyone has to like you. Mm-hmm. Like there is like, you know, I think that's what's really like clicked me over, like where I've completely toppled over. Now I'm like, I've shed everything. <laughs> I don't know if I've gone too far, but I think that was like a real big turning point for me. And it's like, what am I doing? You know, like, what am I going for? What is this that I'm chasing? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. It's like, uh, I think this is all theater in this dimension. And everybody just gets to play a role and learn some things and bring it back to the home base. But it's like, you have to make a choice eventually. It's like, do I want to stay in this theater production and live in that game 24 seven as this character and even someone else is giving me these lines that I should say, or do I want to call cut and go home and have a real life and uncondition my mind? Um, 
Yeah. And it's so much more fulfilling and I get why it's so scary. I mean, I've had my own, uh, my own shedding. You keep shedding. I think you keep, um, you know, like a couple years ago, I, it was actually only a year ago. I had this great house and I had a great car and I had a <laughs> lot of great shoes <laughs> and um, I let it all go. And where did you go to? Well, I'm not living like a nun, but you know, I moved into like this, I moved into an apartment on the beach. I mean, I live in this really dumpy building in, um, on one of the best streets, I think in the world, like I'm just, I'm on the beach and in the, my backyard is this thousand acre, it's called Stanley park. I live in Vancouver. Um, but all of that external stuff was just, it was a symbol for like all this internal stuff. Like I went through this deeper phase of, do I want to live? And it wasn't like a suicidal thing. It was just like, but do I really want to be here? Because most of my life I've been thinking there is a better show in the universe. <laughs> and I just want to get this human thing over with. And I want the relief. I've had a lot of insight around that. I think that I, all the time. And I'm like, if we mm. reincarnate, please let me level up high enough where I don't have to start at this level again. Like I want to start okay. higher. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Um, a lot of mystics say, you get it as right as you can in this lifetime because you take your problems with you. And I think this is one of the illusions that organized religion has peddled for so long. It's that, you know, in the afterlife or in your next life or in between incarnations, it doesn't matter like what paradigm we think it's going to be easier over there and we're going to have all this relief. Mm. And then, and I've realized it's not that way. Why would it be that way? That's right. Like we all think we're going to die and go to heaven and it's pure perfection and everything is just over. Like the pain and suffering is just over. It's, and it's not over. So, so you can take that as like really bad, heavy duty news, (laughs) which I did at first, Uh, or it can be so liberating. It's like, I get to get it right now. And then you realize that getting it right is the shedding. I get to wake up from the dream now. I get to be fulfilled and happy and effective and the light of God today, no matter what's going on, no matter how many pairs of shoes I have, or if I have a partner, or if I have enough of the little hearts on that more. I mean, it's just so many illusions on top of illusions. Like I'm going to be this role and then I'm going to filter it and then engage with people from this filtered reality. I mean, it's a, it's just a mess, right? It's a mess. And the thing that like, I finally realized, and this is so obviously clear to you because you live so purely and deeply, like you're in this great place of just knowing the truth. But I used to try to play that role so much, but I'm like, the people aren't who I'm trying to play the role for aren't even interpreting the role I'm trying to play the way I want them to interpret it. <laughs> I know that's right. It's just smoke and mirrors. Uh-huh. And so many of us do all these things. We contort ourselves and we all these veils, and whether it's the hair or the purse or the person, we marry people who we think make us special. Amen. We marry people who we really just want to draft on whatever it is we think they've got that we don't have. And we're doing that all to impress people who have never considered loving us unconditionally, who do not love themselves conditionally. So we're all just like these little, it's just like little smoke and mirror shows bumping into smoke and mirror shows. 
It's and so true. When you get on the other side, you realize, well, I can tell you, you are relieved. You learn that peace is amazing. Like I used to think in my twenties, peace was like so boring. It was not sexy at all. It was not a party. I was not raging not with the hottest party. celebrities. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Peace is actually so powerful. And it's that kind of, you just get a hint at it when you see women in their fifties and sixties who are just like, yeah, just like, don't apologize anymore. And there's a shadow side to that, by the way. And there's a light side to that, but that's the hint of like, it's not that you don't apologize anymore because you certainly do when you're in peace, you're just, you are so sensitive to hurting and not hurting and helping to empower other people. Um, but you actually become so inclusive. You're just like, girlfriend, you want to jack your face up? You want to go after the purse? You do that. I love you. I see your journey. You could be enlightened. This is the another, this is another thing. Like you could have hit your path. There, there's lots of people with lots of fame. Who knows? They could be like Buddha nature consciousness. You just don't know. I just have so much less judgment. Right. And yeah. I feel you too. I feel like I don't really have judgment for anyone anymore because I used to be able to, I could walk into a room and I could like size someone up. I could be like, and I feel like I'm really good. I am like an expert people pleaser. So mm-hmm. I can immediately figure out people's hot buttons and like what makes them tick and like what, cause back in the day when I was in the entertainment industry, I wanted to butter up ego so people like me. So I could like figure out what makes you tick. Why, what, you know, and yeah. it was like, like That's a, a survival mechanism. Sniper. That, <laughs> yes. For a lot of people who have, I don't know your story we, and we don't have to go there, but a lot of people who have gone through trauma are able to size other people up in a flash mm-hmm. because we've had to, in order to be safe. It's like, um, can I say what I need to say? Can I be myself? Who's going to feed me? And everybody's got some degree of trauma, right? Like it's just welcome to being incarnated. <laughs> Um, yeah, I know, but now I'm like, I'm the same as you. I'm like, I literally, there are so many factors at play into why a person is the way they are, why they do what they do, how they actually are operating from their spirit and their inner self until you have a chance to deeply get to know someone Mm -hmm. and their story. It's you, how could you have a judgment, you know, for what they're, why they're doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And the people who are acting out the most are the most hurt. Are hurting the most. Yeah, it's all a cry for love. It's all a cry for love. How did you start your journey? Because you were like straight up Buddha. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Even your voice, I'm just so calmed talking to you. <laughs> How did I start my journey? Uh, that's actually my least favorite question, but I'm going to answer it in a different okay, way. Okay, well, okay, yeah. yeah. Then because how do you like happened- to be asked? Well, how lots of people, they begin an interview saying, where did it all begin? And you you just want to say, you know, when you get frustrated, I just want to say, read my bio. Like, I don't really. (laughs) Well, it began uh, at Bath and Body Works. I did read your bio. How you. Yeah. At the body shop, I was pumping foot cream and selling dewberry soap and all of that. But I think what's important for this conversation is that I, my mom got knocked up in high school she was reading Wayne Dyer. I was reading Louise Hay when I was 15, but oh, none of, none of that Louise actually, Hay. I love Louise Hay, rest in peace, but none of that actually matters. What matters is um, super curious, 
felt like I, I loved Jesus. I loved, I wanted, I was, you know, I was raised Catholic and by raised, I mean, I just had really young kind of, you know, sixties parents as in like born in, well, I was born in the seventies, but I was born in 69, but, um, who were like smoking pot and doing lots of fun stuff. <laughs> and I went to a Catholic school. So it's You're not like, like on I both was, ends of the spectrum. Yeah. It's not like I was raised in a really strict upbringing, but Catholic school, I was just, oh, I was so religious. I was such a religious little girl and just wanted to know the truth. Just wanted to know and did all the things did I did all the Louise Hay I did all the workshops did it feel I had like, some did it feel like I was raised religious too and I never in my heart I always felt like it wasn't fully right did you oh, feel that totally you know you know when you were eight years old and going to confession I'm eight years old what could <laughs> you know what could I have possibly done that's a mortal sin I remember the priest talking to us about the concept of original sin and I just thought, this is messed up that I was born a sinner. I didn't even get out of the gate and you're <laughs> labeling me this, you know, it was wrong. I also knew that I had this, I had mixed feelings around like for some people, not having sex is a good thing for other people. Other people should have sex and be married. Yeah. And I didn't get why nuns couldn't get married and all of, all of that. But, you know, finally, when I quote, I wouldn't say like, I, I didn't do this dramatic departure from the Catholic church, but, you know, I lived my life. I, you know, I had jobs and I ran this think tank and I traveled and I just did stuff you do in your twenties and thirties and slept around and was engaged a bunch of times and got married and I had a baby and I got divorced and, you know, um, and then I had some really dark nights and inner conflicts. And where was I going with that? Um, you said, because I asked you, how did you start this journey? And you hate that question, but you said you're going to answer it for oh, me in a different way. That's the different way. Just <laughs> never. Um, I just want to figure love out. Yeah. Yeah. When did love become your primary focus? Because you said you used to talk about how you want to feel. And then you mm -hmm. you meditated on that for a long time and like that was the question you woke up with every day like how do i want to feel and yes. then it switched to what do i want to embody yes so i realized that most people <clears throat> are sleepwalking through life and not thinking that their feelings mattered like feelings matter at a board meeting uh yeah when you're in court when you're on stage, you get to call the shots. Like how feelings are like this global positioning system that tells you if this is of benefit to you. And so I really built my career. I built this empire on. It's a huge empire. Question. You have like a massive empire. <laughs> well, I've simplified things now and it's, it's not, it's pretty simple, you know, so it became the desire map book. It became this facilitator program. It became this day planner system. I let the day planner system go. I might do, do you have it. Again a, do you have like a huge bandwidth? Like I always like admire people like you who have this like bandwidth of energy to put this out into the world. Like I don't have that much energy. I, I, I like start closing <laughs> in. Like, do you just have so much energy uh, to give it? No. Listen, I bet you had the energy when you were on stage. I bet you had the energy when you're on the road. You grabbed the mic and you did your thing. And it was probably, you could have sang all night. 
I just never feel like I know how to make it happen like on a business front. Like I could probably do it on the emotional, spiritual, like giving front, mm. but then it's like all the nuts and bolts of actually like, like you have turning this into a app powerhouse and then there's all these people involved and you're managing all these energies and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is that, well, there's a cost to it, but it is my thing. Like I love the game, but this is just, this is my, this is how I'm built. I have other things that I'm not great at. I'm, I don't believe it, Daniel. Oh, <laughs> listen. <laughs> Um, what I'm getting great at right now is simplifying things. Mm. Um, but this is my thing. This is what I'm good at. I can, I can rock it out. I write lots. I speak lots. I'm pretty good at choosing people who are crackerjack smart, say like, like, let's go. I don't feel like, I think one of the reasons things have been able to grow is I really don't believe in obstacles. Mm. I think mistakes happen all the time and people were going to mess up and stop, start and all of that. There are all kinds of challenges, but I just think, oh, this is our challenge today. What's our, what's the problem today? Oh, okay. I love my problems. Oh, wow. And I always say, and specifically in terms of business, if you don't love the problems that are implicit, that are inevitable in your industry, in your lane, then you're in the wrong lane. Mm. Like you can't, you know, I consider myself like I'm in publishing. I love the problems of publishing. Like, how do we get this out to people? How do we get it to people in time? How do we keep the branding on? How do I stay in love and in integrity in this space of shadows and games all the time? I love it. I love it. I love it. I love the technology problems. I love it. I do not love the problems of other things that I could be doing. I, and if I, if the problems start to get me down, I take a pause. I take a break. Like there was one time where I was in, I had a speaking gig, love to speak, really feel built for it. And there's, you know, there's lots of tension and stress that comes with it, but um, I had to get on stage really early. I had to do the sound check. And they gave me a muffin for breakfast. And I thought, you give me a fucking muffin and I'm going to be in these heels for eight hours. And I just thought, Danielle, you, I really gave myself a talking to went back to my hotel room. I was like, Danielle, you need to get it together because this is what you were meant to be doing. These are good people. This is all that girl could get you for breakfast that day. I mean, it's bad. You should, people should treat their speakers way better. I could go on a whole rant about how speakers get treated. Um, But I just like, okay, clearly if this is bothering me and something that's a life path, I need to take a break. So I took a year off of speaking. What have you noticed in that year off? Well, the year off was a while ago and then we had the world health situation. What I noticed was and, and I notice this just creatively. We all have to time have to have time to just let the engine cool. Mm. Like dreams go in escrow. All your ideas, they're not going anywhere. Write them down. They'll come at the right time. There's some things I do that, you know, they were a, a note in my iPhone five years ago. Now's the time. Mm. Or I could be so enthusiastic, super stoked about an idea. I came to me in a walk. I was swimming and I thought we should do this. And everybody's like, no, 
I'm like, okay, all right. That's... <laughs> I'm going to just leave it in my little envelope of creativity and see if it comes back. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV True Crime Podcast, to live and die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so when do you know, because I've actually, I just interviewed another author, her name's Annie F. Downs, and she was talking a lot about the idea of when you know when to just enjoy an idea and when you know when to pursue an idea. How do you know the difference? 
Oh, I'm only interested in pursuing ideas. <laughs> so every idea, are you ready to pursue? Well, yeah, if the time is right. <laughs> like, um, I'm, I exist to do what I do. I have all this stuff called creativity and seva, like my service. And I don't have a second job. I don't have a backup plan. I do this and I hang out with my man and I make smoothies for my kid, who's a man now, 18. And I have relationships and I have this. Do you give and, yourself a lot of space, like a lot of space to be? Um, I take weekends off. We have Flexi Fridays. If I want to sleep in, I sleep in. I don't wake up with an alarm clock. I Is that space? Let me, you know, this is, I think this might be helpful. Workaholism is a real thing and it's as um, destructive as a substance addiction. So I identify as a former workaholic and what I realized was, so what was driving that workaholism were just all my issues in the basement of my psyche about being seen being seen, heard, and understood. See me, see me, hear me, understand me. And so I had this way, I walked through the world of just like bold. I did these things to get attention. I think, you know, even in this space, and I can see this happening a lot now with the influencer community. Like I was never hypersexual, but I really traded on my sexiness. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, I feel that. Not necessary to do with what I'm talking about. I traded on, you know, I was like the, um, I was the, the kind of crass brash that's brazen. That would be the word. I was like the brazen spiritual chick Mm. and all of that is actually a real genuine part of me, but that part has to mature and evolve too. And now that I'm just like, I'm good. I'm the beloved. I'm a child of God, no matter what I've asked myself many times, I've been willing to just disappear. And right. Yeah. And just like, I'm still good. And after the willingness to disappear, I come back. Because there is, before you have that willingness to disappear, there is this fear that if you disappear, you will be completely forgotten. At least that's what I used to feel. Like if I take myself out of the game voluntarily to go like work on myself, I will be left behind. I used to feel that a lot. And I, but you know, you need to get even further, mm-hmm. which is if I am forgotten, if I am left behind, I'm still okay. Yeah. Consciousness is still holding me. The divine mother still has me. I could be forgotten and I'm all right. You don't, you get to a point and this is, you know, we get there and then we slip and then we expand and then we contract, but you get to a point where you don't even ask whether you're worthy or not. Like, you know, you're talking about your little girl at the top of the hour and you would never, you would never, none of us would ever say to our child, you need to earn my love. You would never, if any, if our, if our children came to us and said, you know, mama, I'm a mama. I don't know. Are you a mommy or a mama? Believe it or not, she calls me, she calls me mom, mom. Oh, you're a mom. And a mama mama. when she's being real like needy. She's mama. Um, How old is she? She's going to be three September 10th. Oh, she's a little nugget. Mm -hmm. Um, My son would never come to me and say, mama, 
Am I worthy? And if he did in any way, or like if our children, do you love me? He would say, what a silly question. I've loved you since the beginning of time. I will love you no matter what you do. I will love you for eternity. That's how God loves us. Mm -hmm. So you can drop out of your game and you can be forgotten. And what the, the divine is not even a who the isness, the beingness that loves you no matter what. It's got you. You're good. You can disappear. And you're, I feel like one of your main purposes is to help others awaken their divine. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, I feel that right now for me, it's about unity consciousness. It's about acceptance. If I can just, if I can just get you at the right nanosecond, it has nothing to do with me, but if we could just get along, get aligned just for a second and I can kind of pluck that cord in you that says, I just want to accept myself the way I am as is that is super cool. And that, and it, it just, it's all about you. It's like you did all the work. We just, the sun's in the right place in the sky that day where you go, Oh, whoever said it, it could be me. It could be somebody else. That's the message you needed. That wisdom is resonating with your own wisdom. That's all. That's all. It's got nothing to do with a teacher. Um, Right now, my soapbox is self-acceptance and inclusiveness, which is really what How to Be Loving, the new book, is all about because um, obviously to most people, we are living in the most divided, polarized time ever in that any of us can remember. And that is just a reflection of us being super out of touch with ourselves. How do you think we got here? Well, it's been a long time coming. I mean, eons, centuries, centuries. I mean, we've been murdering each other in the name of God for centuries. It doesn't get more absurd, ridiculous than that. Truly. Truly. And I think all that's going on right now is the shadow has to come up. So everybody can relate on some level that your stuff has to come up. You have to have the argument in the relationship to hear each other. What's really going on. You get, you get the injury, you get the illness to bring you to your knees. You got to quit. You get fired. You get left. It's the dark night that has you go, Whoa. Okay. Who am I really? That's what how to be loving is really about. Who am I really? What do you identify as? Are you identifying as the conflict or are you identifying as I am peace itself? Are you identifying as your thoughts? Are you identifying as I'm love and I'm connected and I can sort this out? And I think everything, you know, my term is like the basement of the psyche. It's all got to come up to be seen. So I think it can be loved and we can all expand. Your anxiety, that is something in your basement saying, hi please pay attention to me. Okay. You're not paying attention to me yet. Okay. Let's have another anxiety attack. I was still not paying attention. Okay. Let's have a little fender bender. Okay. I'm going to just keep knocking at you until you learn to love me. The worst agonized part of yourself. Can you be compassionate with me? You got it. 
And that's when the anxiety dissolves. And that's when you become a healer. That's how you become a healer is when you take the time to look at your anxiety and heal yourself. Yes, you can't. You have to go to school. You have to go to healing school. <laughs> so for everybody that's, you know, some people will go to healing school proactively. And what do you mean by healing school? I mean, welcome to being human. It's like, that's why we're here. This is the schoolhouse. We are here to heal. The healing is we realize that we are love. We are made by the divine. We figure out our, what our true nature is. And it just makes harmony wherever it goes. It is transformative. It sees the beauty in everything. That's how love changes everything. And you say, you've said this quite a bit. You say this in your book. You say this on your Instagram. You say, what would change if you saw yourself and others through a loving gaze? And everything. everything. And that is so true because like you were saying, fighting in the name of God, killing in the name of God. It's like, I feel like for so long, it's like people need feel like they need to stand up and fight to show they love. Yeah, when really, it's like, let me prove my love to you by being, the, you know, going into the battlefield. But it's really, it's like, you're so right. What if we just, instead of fighting, we walk into every situation and we say, I love everyone here because we all are from God. And mm -hmm. whatever we are projecting out as this human body form that is existing, mm -hmm. really at the core of it, we all are love. And so instead of getting all defensive and putting up our guard and assuming the worst in everyone, what have we all assumed mm -hmm. loving thoughts? I mean, what mm -hmm. would this world be? It'd be amazing, but it's not even, someone doesn't even need, I'm a yes for all of that, but someone doesn't even need to believe in God. You could just walk into a room and think, wow, we're all human and we're all here at the same time. That's a miracle on a planet of 7 billion people. Humanity has been around for how many billions of, you know, like what, this is amazing. And can you do that for yourself? So it's like, you know, you imagine walking into a room and having reverence and some patience for everybody there. But what about all the parts of yourself, all those little things that you create? So it's like, can you love the part of you that needed to be seen, the blonde country striving star, whatever was in here? Like, you got to bring her in, just be like, oh, I get what you were going for. I got time for you. Can we love our chronic health stuff? Because all that's a message. All the body stuff is saying like, hi, I'm trying to get your attention through this thing. That's really uncomfortable or agitating. And you say, you treat that like a child. You know what? Injury, chronic thing, pain, whatever it is. What do you want to tell me? I want to hear what you have to say. You're, you're actually welcome. Instead yeah, of denying it and fighting it and being scared right. of it, loving right. it. Well, you you and being scared of it, criticizing it. Look how we criticize ourselves. I'm not spiritual enough because I've manifested this illness. I'm not spiritual enough because I'm not brave enough to do this. And you see this a lot in the hacking, the life hacking culture of you just push through your fear. You're just going to do this no matter what. I'm totally talking like a bro right now, but and it's just <laughs> like, you know what? That just creates more shadow. So you could just say, you could listen to your fear. Stop telling your fear to not be itself. Your fear is there. It's got something to say. Say, okay, I hear you. No, I love you. I created you. Hi, I fear. created you. I made you. 
And I'm a grown up that is aware that I am connected to Source. I know that I am loving, I am loved, I am supported. My life is full of amazingness. You, fear, you're gonna come with me. I got, I got you. Just, you're gonna sit in my heart and you can relax. And I'm gonna go cliff dive or sing this song or write this book or profess my love to somebody. Or I'm gonna tell the truth when it's in opposition to everybody else right now. But you take your fear with you. You don't leave it. You don't leave it outside. I love that. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure... It kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV True Crime Podcast, to live and die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. 
To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How does it feel to have your contributions from your heart, like your books that you've written, be so well-received and so embraced by so many including who's been oprah's been like my guiding north star forever because she before before social media age and before like people it was easier to find people like she was one of the only ones who was like visible all the time in my existence at least that was like preaching this higher message you know mm-hmm. on a large platform i feel like now it is like so much better easier to find more people like mm-hmm. yourself you know like I, I you have so many platforms i can find you on but like you know, there was a time when it was hard to find other people preaching this higher message. And so what is it like to be so warmly received for sharing this depth of your soul of love in books, in your institute, in your podcast, in your being? Mm, It's wonderful. It's love. It's loving. And it's not all that. I mean, I've had cancel situations and I don't read hate mail. Have you been canceled? There's been some things. And this is part of being public. Like everybody, not everybody, most of us are looking for a place to put our pain. Mm. So Mm. it doesn't matter what the issue is. The people are just going to be like, I'm going to take my pain out on this issue. I'm going to choose my side and I'm going to push against the other side so that I can be seen and loved and heard so that I can, you know, all my issues around abandonment or neglect, I'm going to take it out on the issue of the day. And we can just see this. You just watch the so-called news and it's just, it's like this factory line. Here's another topic. Pick a side. Here's another topic. Here's You have to pick a side. It's a parade of reasons we should be divided. And there's no place, I mean, this is an overused term now in this space, but there's not a lot of space for nuance. I'm really interested in like the gray area of like, oh, uh, I can see why she would say that. And I don't agree with how she's going in that direction, but. That's interesting. And I know, and I could see just, can you see the validity, the pain, the divinity in everybody's perspective? And then we do what's best for the collective. Like this is how, you know, my metric for, how do I know an idea is wise versus not so smart? The wise idea is always looking for everybody's benefit. Like everybody gets to learn, everybody gets to be heard. doesn't mean there's no room for justice and accountability and all of that. But like, hey, we all showed up here in human form at the same time. Why don't we just take care of each other? Do you ever feel like there's a time for like violence and anger? No, no. I feel that there's a time for anger. Yeah. I would say um, there's a time for holy anger, which is on behalf of the benefit of everybody, on behalf of all children, on behalf of all mothers and parents and humans, this is what's right. And what's being done in this one particular area is dense and ignorant and polarizing, and it needs to stop now for all of us. And I'm not going after anyone in particular and talking about their life or digging up their history or whatever. There's no vilification. This is like 
um, harmlessness seeking justice for everybody's benefit. Violence, look, would I would I harm physically harm someone or take someone's life to save my own life? Possibly, yes. To save my child or an immediate loved one? Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, maybe there is a there's a light side to violence at times, of course. There's, you know, there's a light and a shadow side to everything. But you know, this last couple of years, I've seen so much just ridiculous anger. Hmm. It has nothing to do with moving anybody forward. It's just this very um, unhealed lashing out to make someone right, wrong. Right. Um, and then all of these other judgments get placed on. If you believe this, then you believe all these other things. That right. is the most illogical, ignorant approach to any opinion that if someone believes this one thing they must so many silly assumptions people are making these days um you talk a lot about choosing higher quality thoughts when you're acting from love and mm -hmm. it took me a long time to even realize i had control over my thoughts and that i was <laughs> the, the narrator of my story like for a long time in my mm -hmm. 20s and early 30s like life was happening to me. I was responding and mm. I was responding to everyone around me and every circumstance around me. I didn't realize that I could choose my self-talk and I could choose the way I responded. And I actually could mm. let a thought fly, float by and not latch onto it and then mm -hmm. grow it into this whole life. I, you can actually just see a thought and totally not pick it and just pick That's another right. one. Yes. I didn't know that. And that is like a practice. <laughs> that's like an actual, like, yeah, that it. takes a lot of work to like, and I still have to work on it daily. That takes a like, lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. When, yeah. But like choosing the higher quality thought, can you talk a, a little bit about that? Because I feel like it's like you said, so many people are sleepwalking. They don't even know that they can choose different thoughts and different responses. This is the big one. This we this is this is a great moving towards our finale. Like energy follows thought. So everybody listening right now, everybody think a thought about your body. Got one? Okay. You don't have to tell anybody around you. You don't in Carolyn, you don't need to tell me your thought. Um, is the thought you had about your body like would you describe it as positive, negative? Is it supportive? Is it unconditional? Is it a loving thought? Mine was because I've worked on it. The first thought was my body is strong. All right. Okay. So that is the energy of that thought about your body. So you had a thought, body, strong. That's a loving thought. It's supportive. It feels true. Yeah. You're going to get more of that. So our thoughts hang out around us in our auric field. They're like little magnets. And you just put a little magnet in your auric field of loving loving my strength. Your whole body heard that. Not only did your whole body and your, your unconscious self hear that, but now something else is going to bump into you, somebody else's energy field, and they're going to feel that vibration of a strong, loving thought. And they will probably speak to you lovingly. Someone's going to say, you look fine. Okay. Or someone's going to invite you to run, work out, yoga, whatever it is. Or your mind, because you're programming your whole being with that loving thought about your strength, it's then going to be able to tune in to the vibration of 
you walking through the grocery store, you're going to make a better choice. You're going to know the difference between that product and that product. You're going to choose that. You might go to bed a little bit earlier. And that's how it works. Mm -hmm. You have a negative thought that is a heavy textured something. Like what about this? Like my body, my body's ugly. Okay. So how does, we all know the vibration. What's the vibration of that thought? It's heavy. It's contracted. We could just give it a big label of it's negative. And that little sphere of energy, that thought ball is going to go hang out in your auric field and you're going to magnetize that. And you're going to, and you're programming your mind. So what's your mind going to do? It's always looking for likeness, right? Mm-hmm. It always mm-hmm. wants to join. So then your mind, you, you've got the negative thought. You, you will do negative things. You've just programmed yourself to have a negative behavior. So you might just scroll tonight on Instagram and look at all the skinny, white, yoga, people, filtered, whatever, and think, or whatever your vision of beauty is, you will look for the opposite and tell yourself why you're ugly or your thought. You could be feeding that thought form. So that one little thought could become this bigger thought cloud because thoughts just collect more thoughts. You can see all these little thought barnacles on it, more ugly, more ugly, more ugly, more negative, negative, negative. It could get so big and so powerful because you've been feeding it, letting it take over. You can walk down the street. Someone call you ugly. Someone it can be that friend. powerful. It can be that powerful. It can actually manifest into someone speaking it. The tr- then you have confirmation. And then you're like, I knew it. I knew I was ugly. Right. And I got That's confirmation. Wow. So choose loving thoughts. And you're going to have to choose them 900 times a day because the wounded mind, the ego mind, the mind <laughs> is just so strong. So, you know, you can feel, be feeling all high and beautiful. And in the time, you know, by the the time this podcast is done and you go get some tea or water, you just be like, wow, I'm a loser. That's okay. Just think, wow, isn't that interesting? I just had that thought. Let it go. I'm going to choose another thought because I'm the parent. I am the God of my life. I get to choose what I think. Just like you get to choose what you put into your body in the form of food. Please choose what you are putting into your mind in the form of thoughts change your life, change the world. And don't pick every thought, especially the thoughts that are bad. Let them go. They're oh. clouds. They're just clouds. I love that. Well, Danielle, I always wrap up with leave your light, which uh-huh. is very open-ended. What okay. do you want people to know? Togetherness, that everything we crave and want and deserve, even though, even though we don't even need to ask about deserving, we deserve all the good stuff. Uh, it only comes through togetherness. So it's through all relationships are about healing. So you just show up and you be love with yourself. And then you watch what happens in relationships. And what we want, we only get it in, in union. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. Danielle Laporte, thank you so much. You are incredible. And just quickly, where can everyone find you? You can find me at DanielleLaporte.com. You can, I'm myself on Instagram. And how to be loving is everywhere. And we're really encouraging people to, if you can go get it from an independent bookstore, but it's, it's, it's everywhere now. And how does it feel having it out? Having it out. Um, When are we airing this? What's the date? Do you know your air date? Yes, it'll be 
Well, then like two weeks, three weeks tops. Three weeks tops. Okay. The actual pub date is October 11th. Now here's the thing about getting it now pre-ordering. If you go to daniellelaporte.com slash how to be loving, let us know that you pre-ordered the book. Um, if you get two books, it's your ticket to this big church event I'm having on October 16th. Mm. So we're calling it church with D and friends. Leanne rhymes is opening for me. Beautiful chorus is going to sing. Uh, Reverend Michael Bernard Beckwith is going to give us some blessing. And then I'm going to throw down on your true identity. It's going to be really great. So you get two copies of the book. That's your ticket to church. And then I'm sending everybody what I'm calling loving reminders. So these little voice memos every Sunday for a year. Yeah. You're amazing. What a light you are to this world, Danielle. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you and I appreciate all you're doing for the world. And I am blessed to be in your presence and have had this conversation. Thank you. This was lovely. Thank you. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.